0: Pride Month is a time to celebrate the various identities that make up our wonderful and diverse community. It is also a time to reflect on and honor the powerful contributions of those who come before us. We stand on the shoulders of giants. James Baldwin, Larry Kramer, Bayard Rustin, Sylvia Rivera, and Marsha P. Johnson. To them and countless other trailblazers, we are humbly indebted and forever grateful. If you'd like more information on the movement or recommendations on how you can help, go to blacklivesmatter.com/partners. In these dark and difficult times, we hope that this episode brings you a little bit of joy and light.
1: Welcome to this special Pride
0: Month episode of the Big Gay Fiction podcast. I'm Jeff and I'm Will. B. A. Tortuga and Julia Talbot have been a part of the gay romance genre since the very beginning. Back in episode 218, they told us all about what it's like to be a married, creative couple who run a business together. I can't think of two other people who better exemplify the spirit of what Pride Month is all about.
1: B. A. and Julia, thank you so much for joining us for our Pride Month celebration.
2: Thank you, thank you for, for having tickled. us. Yes.
1: I have to say as I sent you the email going, Would you do this? You know, I think back to the conversation we had at GRL, we we're like, I hate readings. And I'm <laughs> yeah. asking you both to read today. <laughs> so I very much appreciate you <laughs> put that aside for today. <laughs> yeah. We can we can do it,
2: you know, in short term sort of short bursts kind of things.
1: <laughs> so Julia, I know you you got selected to go first in this. I did. So tell us what you're reading from and what it's about.
2: I'm reading from a book I wrote a couple years ago called Catching Air, H-E-I-R. I thought it was very clever. It's about a snowboarder and a hotelier who the hotelier thinks he's going to inherit an antique hotel, sort of like the Stanley in Colorado up in Estes Park. And he ended up finding out that there's a family member who's going to inherit it instead. And it's sort of a meet-cute kind of story. And, and I decided to choose this one because it is very sweet. There's not a lot of conflict. And it's just a really sweet little romance, which for me, for Pride Month, that's important. Uh-huh. You know? So I didn't want a lot of high angst and a lot of,
1: like, hardcore, <laughs> you
2: know. <laughs> It's a thing. There's too much of that in the world, you know? Yeah,
1: especially these days, for sure. Right. Yeah. So give us a little setup about what you're going to read for us.
2: Well, this is the first time the two guys, whose name's Matt, who's the hotelier, is from Texas, and Cullen, who's the snowboarder, is from Colorado, Utah. He's of lived all over the place where there's snow. And they are going out to dinner for the first time, and it's just sort of getting to know each other. You know, they've been thrown together in this situation where they're both living at the hotel now and trying to figure out who's in charge and who's making the decisions. And this is just sort of a sweet little scene where they get to put some of that aside and just get to talk to each other.
1: All right. Very cool. All
2: right, So this is from catching air. I had this personal chef once he went on tour with me when dad thought I was pudgy. Colin's expression shut down again. You got weirdly freaked out if I ate anyone else's food. That's fucked up. And Matt didn't mean the cook. Chefs were weird. He meant the whole pressure thing. Kids didn't need that shit. Gullen waved a hand in the air. Prodigies, I guess. What was your favorite thing to do as a kid? Play cowboy. Matt shrugged and grinned. And I mean Troy Aikman and not Donnie Gay. Football. Cool. College football's okay. Cullen fidgeted a bit, and if they were at home, Colin would be drumming on the table, but he was clearly trying to be polite. I was a kid. Matt felt funny talking about that, because while he'd been starting quarterback in high school and strong second string in the first two years of his starter college, he had never been under the illusion that he was going to be more than he was. A fast, stubborn kid who wanted to play. He didn't even know who was starting for the Longhorns this year, for fuck's sake. "'You're boring him, Matt.' "'He searched his brain for something else to discuss that wasn't sports or the hotel. "'He was saved by a pair of teenagers who came up to the table, obviously nervous. "'You... dude, you're Cullen Patrick. You rock, man.' "'Thanks,' Cullen said easily, his whole demeanor changing from slightly dork to smooth and smiling. "'Do you guys bored?' "'Yeah, totally. Like, I can't believe it's you. "'Trey... Harry's front, like, totally. "'I'm more the bypass type, but I'm learning.' Are these children speaking English? Honestly, Matt suddenly got it. Stodgy. Okay, so it wasn't all that sudden. It was more being reminded than figuring it out. Everyone has to start somewhere. Keep practicing and you'll be shredding in no time. Cullen took the sharpie one kid handed him and scrawled an autograph on a napkin. You rock. Her reels. Not Trey looked at Matt. Are you somebody, dude? No, son. Not at all. It was his job, in fact, to be no one. Oh. Oh. Disappointment flashed for a moment, but the tray kid pulled out his phone and took a selfie with Colin. Then boys, boys, both boys were run off by the maitre d'. "'What do you want for your starter, do you think?' They had a sweet little selection, and Matt made a mental note to share the list with Dev, his chef. "'Something low-carb so I can pasta course it up. There's a meatball, a salad, olives, and cheese. Oh, man, I can always go for a meatball. I mean, if the place can't do a good meatball, then why bother?' Cullen grinned back to goofball in a heartbeat. True that. I think I'm going to go for the olives. I'm willing to share plates. Cullen gave Matt this look, something warm and happy, and it made his cock twitch in his pants. Huh. I like to share. Matt refused to blush. Refused to. Coolios. Then I say we get a pear and gorgonzola thing, too. Why not? Pear and gorgonzola? Hell on a plate, as far as he was concerned. They ordered it, though, along with a wild boar meatball and olive and cheese selection. Cullen seemed so tickled. When the appetizers came, they were halfway through their first bottle of wine. By the time the bottle was finished, they were feeding each other olives and bites of salty cheese. He'd lost his mind. The pear was really refreshing, especially after a damn spicy meatball. This was a hoot. Cullen laughed as they battled over the last slice of pear, ending up splitting it with a bit of gorgonzola. You think Dev could make that, Cullen asked. Yeah, I hope so. I want it for lunch every day. Matt's cheeks heated, and he felt his heart flutter. Should we order another bottle of the red? Heck yes. We don't have to drive. Cullen touched the back of his hand, the warmth of simple contact, shocking. I shouldn't, but this is our night off. It is. We're just two dudes having dinner. Cullen stroked his skin, making Matt squirm. That's us. It's been delicious so far. It has. Did we order entrees? Cullen blinked so comically that Matt laughed out loud. Pasta. We ordered pasta and more wine. I love pasta. Cullen grabbed a bite of bread, so tiny. Have you had polenta? I love when Deb makes that. I have. It's best cooled and chunked up and fried, you know? Oh yes. Matt should ask for that when Cullen wanted it. Called into room called it into room service. Whatever. I had this thing in Italy once, Cullen said, with polenta and this mushroom ragu. Yeah? He listened to Cullen go on about the food there in the mountains, and he wanted to be able to share his own stories, but they were all pretty normal. Tell me about Texas, Cullen demanded, as if it were the most interesting idea in the world. And I've only been to Austin and Galveston. Well, it is a whole nother country. Matt hummed softly, shaking his head. There's something special about a place that everybody's so proud of, you know? There's the beach, the lakes, the piney woods. The best part is the people. I miss it sometimes, the easiness of the people. That sounds cool. Do you ever go visit? I haven't been home since I left. I haven't been, well, anywhere. The hotel is a full-time job, 16 hours a day, seven days a week. I simply haven't had time. Wow. Cullen leaned toward him, eyes bright with curiosity. Your folks, are they still around? I never met my father. My mom died from breast cancer when I was 19. Cullen's face crumpled with sympathy. Oh, that blows. I'm sorry. It's okay. It was quick. And it had been brutal. He hadn't even known until ten days before she was gone. It still sucks. No wonder you don't want to go back. I feel that way about Park City. That was Dad's home, you know? Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a Motel 6 in a skanky-ass suburb of Houston. My mom was a housekeeper. I grew up in the hotel business. And this was vastly superior to mopping puke on Sunday mornings. Wow, I mean, I hear about restaurant kids, but hotel kids? I guess you were a prodigy, too. Oh, look at that (laughs) Cappellini. A prodigy. That was adorable. It smells like heaven. So does your risotto. Cullen breathed deep, waving a hand toward his face. Yes, okay, him, brave, squid ink. Oh, God. Matt squalled hard. Cullen saved him by forking up a bite and holding it to his lips. He opened up instinctively, just pop, parted lips. The squid ink had this oceany but super earthy flavor, and the rice felt soft and pillowy and creamy. So that was totally edible. It's good. Really good. Can I try? I'll share the capellini. Absolutely. He shocked himself by forking up a bite for Cullen and feeding it to the man as if he did it every goddamn day. Yum. Cullen watched him carefully, smiling, and Matt couldn't care about anything else. Yeah, it's good. Hot. Shut up, Matt. Shut up and be good. So tasty. Cullen blinked, long lashes hitting his cheeks, which were flushed. Matt nodded, reminding himself of all the hundreds of reasons this was probably stupid. The main reason being that Cullen was titulary, at any rate, his boss. Still, right now, Cullen seemed so young and so damn cute slash hot that Matt was feeling his oats, so to speak. That and the wine was going right to his head. Cullen fed him bites, and they discussed entrees versus getting dessert and skipping meat. We should totally have tiramisu with coffee, Cullen said. Cream and chocolate and rum and espresso. Okay, I'm in. Matt would bounce off the balls, but whatever. Me too, I want to watch you eat it. Cullen. Matt stared, lips open a tiny bit with surprise. What? You're amazing. Cullen looked so serious suddenly, not joking at all. Right. You're famous, you're not worried? Nah, my sport is pretty fluid that way, and I'm really only famous in my sport. Like our waiter would have no idea who I was if we weren't in we were in Denver or Boulder. You're totally worth it. Matt's cheeks felt as if they were on fire. He didn't know where to look, so he just stared into Cullen's eyes. You are. I know you're going to tell me it's the wine talking, but you make me feel more at home than anyone I've ever known. Cullen shrugged, even when you didn't want to be nice to me. I was hurt. Matt still was a little, but it was what it was. I get that. I mean, I showed up just when you thought the place was yours. Yeah, but it wasn't mine, and it hadn't ever been. Cullen nodded, his expression going cloudy. So, tiramisu? Maybe the cannoli, too. Matt would pay to watch Cullen eat cannoli. Yes, please. Cool, and the coffee. I love espresso. Espresso? The sunny smile was back. Yes. Matt buzzed with a little high from the wine, and Cullen... Cullen made him kind of nuts, made him ache balls deep. The feeling was extraordinary for all that was completely unfamiliar. They ordered dessert and coffee... He was going to need some boxes, he'd bet. They finished the second bottle of wine before the sweets came. Oh, smell that. Cullen loved to sniff food. Adorable. Matt leaned down and Cullen lifted up and the whipped cream covered Matt's nose. Little cocoa deposits making him sneeze. Oops. Cullen rubbed Matt's nose with one finger. Sorry. Matt grabbed his napkin and cleaned himself off. I left a nose print. I should totally put that on Instagram. Cohen didn't pull out his phone, though, which was ma- made Matt happy. This was for them. Sometimes stolen moments live longer than anything else. They each grabbed a fork and started in on the tiramisu, the creamy goodness smelling so good that Matt thought he might die. The bite of cocoa and espresso kept the dessert from being too sweet. And the mascarpone lent a smooth, creamy pleasure when mixed with the whipped cream. Matt closed his eyes and hummed. Decadent. Uh-huh. He opened his eyes to see Cullen staring at him, fascinated. Did I get it all off my nose? There's a tiny bit on your upper lip, Cullen's gaze arrowed in on his mouth. Matt licked it instinctively, and Cullen's eyes went wide, hot a sudden flash of need that stunned Matt. All Matt could do was sit there, caught by that stare. It was the waiter who broke their glance as he refreshed the coffees. You guys want a to-go box for that cannoli? Cullen nodded. And another order of tiramisu to go, go, please. And his blink, Colin just said, I mean, I would pay to watch you eat that again. (laughs) I was just thinking about you and that, about you and the cannoli, Matt admitted. The wine was really doing a number on his inhibitions. When we get home, I guess, so we could really watch each other close? Matt caught himself nodding, his moan trying its damnedest to push its way out. Yeah, yeah, that sounds... Well, it sounded as close to heaven as he'd imagined he'd get and he wanted it. He wanted Cullen. His body thrummed with sudden need, and they were both on the edges of their chairs, waiting for the check. It was as if they just needed to get out of the hotel for this to explode on them. Do you have to call him? The driver? I'll text. Cullen whipped out his phone and keyed up a name, then sent a brief note. He'll be here in five. Cool. Matt watched Cullen sign the check and reached over, touching one wrist. Thanks for supper. You're welcome. Thank you for coming out with me. I... This is the best night I can remember in a long time. Yes, and that was that. It had been totally unexpected and wonderful. Cullen's phone beeped and they headed outside boxes in hand. The night air threatened to steal his buzz, but the car felt warm and perfect for a backseat snuggle. There was the whisper in the center of his brain that he shouldn't, but he was going to, damn it. They were both grown-ups. Hell, they barely waited for the car to get moving, turning toward each other as soon as they pulled away from the curb. One of Colin's hands was wrapped around the back of Matt's head, even as Matt got a hold of Colin's waist and dragged him closer. When their lips met, it resembled striking a match in the middle of wildflower season.
3: Yay!
1: I do love a good dinner scene, a good dinner date. And you got the whole dinner in. That was awesome.
2: <laughs> I got the whole dinner in one scene. <laughs>
3: I don't know. Expresso. you're living that down as long as you live expresso?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, people who aren't watching the video missed a great look on <laughs> ba's face over the espresso
2: <laughs> hey i didn't laugh out loud and i know what you were there rolling your eyes and going, I Oh I my God.
1: so ba what are you going to be reading from
2: so
3: cowboy's law is a contemporary western about about two men who are brought together by family. Seth is a rodeo cowboy and his best friend, uh, his name is Pistol, and Pistol gets cancer and asks him to take his five brothers and sisters. His parents had passed away. And Seth says yes and takes you know, gets takes custody of the kids after Pistol dies. Law is pistols older brother who has been in service and he was um deployed over in afghanistan when his brother died so that's the basic you know and and they come together and try to figure out what you know a rodeo cowboy a military guy and five kids are possibly going to do together
1: (laughs) wow (laughs) that's a lot of moving pieces (laughs)
3: Yeah, yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's a lot of Legos. A lot of Legos.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little setup on the scene you're going to read for us.
3: Well, this the setup on this scene is this is basically the first time you get to meet Seth after Pistol has passed away. There's a brief prologue where you get to meet Pistol in the situation. But this is the first time you actually get to get to know Seth and the kids and everybody and it's it's something else.
1: <laughs> so we ready? Let's Absolutely.
3: Go. Uncle Seth, Uncle Seth, I can't get my hair in a bun, and Ms. Dolores is gonna be here to pick us up for dance in five minutes. And Jordan says she's not coming. Kira ran up to him, tears sliding down her face, brandishing her hairbrush like a goddamn samurai sword. Okay, okay, baby girl, chill. You bring your scrunchie? She ran off again and then slid into him like a runner into third base half a minute later, dragging her furious twin along with her. I hate dancing, Uncle. Tell her. You have to come, sister. I can't go by myself. Oh, fuck. Here came the fireworks. Jordan, get your leotard on. You go one more time, and if you still don't like it, we'll find something else for you to do. She looked at him, so suspicious. You promised to God? I do. Get on now. At least he didn't have to fix her hair. Jordan had hacked it all off in a snit about two weeks ago. God save him from having identical twins who are anything but. Seth grabbed the brush, the scrunchie, and the hair and did the complicated magic Don had taught him to do when she wasn't there, his premature arthritis be damned. Thank you. Kira grabbed him in a hug, kissed his cheek. We'll be home for supper. Are you cooking? It's Wiley's turn. He made the elder teens take one night a week in the kitchen and the younger set help him out on the other day. Kira's face fell. Hot dog day? Again? Jordan, who looked so much like Pistol at Hurt with her white blonde haircut, short and bright blue eyes, ran up in Spider-Man pajamas, a pair of Kira's rubber boots and a headband with disco ball bouncy deals from New Year's, cheering her damn fool head off. Hot doggies! editorial elegance ho mac and cheese he's branching out seth winked now go on i'll see y'all later love you can she wear that to dance his miss priss asked and seth rolled his eyes sure baby knock yourself out who the fuck was he to judge man miss kira could roll her eyes one day he would pick them up and roll them right back Love you, they called back in concert as Dolores Maez honked the horn. Dolores took the kids to dance and Girl Scouts. He was in charge of 4-H and barrel racing. Wiley got himself to band, thank God, and driver's licenses. Fuzzy, their great Pyrenees, followed them almost to to the car before stopping to pout. Fuzzy was utterly fascinated by Jordan, possibly because she dropped a lot of crumbs. Seth peeked in at Bethany, his sweet little blonde middle girl. She was reading Harry Potter again. Curled up on the sofa. Homework done, baby girl? Yes, sir. And it's Dawn's turn to feed the chickens and Wiley's turn to cook, so I'm reading. Good deal. She knew the chore rotation by heart. She never shirked, but she done only what she was required to do and spent the rest of her time reading or making crazy good art projects. She got paid for her extra chores with gift cards from Michaels. She smiled at him and then she was gone back to her book. Such a neat girl, but so different from the rest. He needed to run up to the office and get a few emails sent before supper. Dawn? Dawn Ellen? Yeah, Uncle? She wasn't calling from the chicken coop. Someone was in with the horses. I need you to come feed the chickens for me, honey. I'm brushing petunia, though. I know. I need you to do this first. Then you can play with Toonie until supper. He tried to be patient. Thirteen was a hard age, and Dawn was nothing if she wasn't a cowboy. She rode barrels Fridays and Saturdays, and she was already saving money for another, better racing horse. Petunia would always be her best friend, though. "'Coming!' she trotted out of the barn. "'You go into the office?' "'Yeah, gotta get a few papers done. I won't be long. Half an hour.' "'It's hard to be a working man, ain't it?' she teased. "'Don't work too long. You won't let me.' He knew her 31 minutes from now she'd be at his office door. "'Nope!' She twirled, and he laughed out loud. He headed to his office, just whistling. He'd never in a million years envisioned his this is his life, but he loved it. Hey, buddy, come sit with me. His old black lab domino followed him, tail moving. He was glad to home, have Seth home full-time, too. It had been a long fucking 18 months since they'd lost Pistol, but he'd been able to get his friend home for damn near three months to say his goodbyes and I love yous. Now Seth had two ranches to run, five kids to raise, and he was... happy... Not being on the road all the damn time suited him to the bone. He still did autograph sessions if they were near home, Denver, Albuquerque, sometimes Texas. He tried never to be gone overnight, though. Weirdly, it wasn't the little ones who uh, missed it. It was the two oldest. They had lost so much that they both stressed over every second he was gone. He sat at his desk laughing when he saw this morning's coffee cup still full sitting there. Yeah, he'd gotten up early to work at his desk, but that had lasted less than 20 minutes after he'd got coffee made. Lord have mercy. He logged on, answered a handful of emails, returned at least 27 phone calls, and when he looked up, the sun had set. What the hell? A little flood of panic hit him, and he double-timed it down the stairs. Where were his kids? He heard a deep voice rumbling in the front room, and he skidded in there ready to beat someone down if his kids were being threatened. What he saw was a big man with light brown hair, wide shoulders, bright blue eyes, and a stubbly jaw. The man wore jeans, an O.D. green t-shirt, and carried a cane. Who the fuck are you, and why are you in my house? He put one hand on the chunk of pink marble that sat on the mantle. Uncle Seth, dude, chill! Wiley grinned at him, rolling his eyes. This is law! He's our brother! Seth blinked at Law McCann, man he'd never met and had only seen childhood pictures of. What do you want? Law's smile slid into a frown. I came to see the kids and meet you. Who didn't call first? Jesus. His heart was going 90 to nothing. Nice to meet you. Wiley, you need to start supper. Don, is your homework done? Yes, sir. It's on kitchen table. She gave him an uncertain look. I tried to call, but I must have had an old number for you. You must. Is there enough stuff, uncle? Wiley whispered. Should I make hot dogs? No! No, Uncle promised you wouldn't. Bethany looked devastated. There's nothing wrong with hot dogs, you freak. Enough. He'd learned this part. No yelling. Just quiet and firm. And they listened. Please, God. Bethany, chill. Wiley, do not call your sister a freak. You do double the recipe for the mac and cheese. Kira, do not start crying. Jordan, I will have Wiley show you how to make hot dogs. He didn't even have to look for the crocodile tears any more than he knew Don would be heading for the barns when he lifted his head and Kira would be grabbing his leg. I can buy something for supper if you want, Law Offered. I know I turned up out of nowhere. The man said it quietly, and Seth would be damned if he's going to feel bad. No, it's Wiley's turn to cook. And this is a delicate fucking balance between the three eldest right now. How about tomorrow night, if you're here... "'It's a home game, so we'll be trekking down to watch.' "'Sure, sure. I was planning on being here.' Law gave him a ghost of a smile. "'Do you mind if I sit?' "'Be my guest.' "'He nodded to the sofa. "'You want a beer?' "'Do you have a Coke or something? "'Some iced tea?' "'Okay, so Brother Law didn't drink.' "'He made a mental note. "'Sure, give me a sec.' "'He walked Kira on his legs still, "'Jordan following with her face damn near in his butt. "'Classy.' <sighs> "'He grabbed a can of Dr. Pepper from the fridge.' Jordan, take this to law. Do not shake it. Understand? Uh-huh. Good girl. He sighed at Wiley. Man, law scared the hell out of me. I didn't know who he was. Yeah, he's been gone a long time. He got blowed up, yeah? What do I do? Twice the macaroni in the instant pot. I've got that little ham we can toss in the oven for there was a surprised cry and Kara came running. Jordan shook <laughs>
1: Ta-da! <laughs> That's an amazing scene Brian. <laughs> oh, those kids are a handful.
3: Yes. Jordan Shook.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thank you for reading that. That was wonderful. <laughs> well, thank you. So tell me, what does pride mean for the two of you? You go first.
2: You go first.
1: You go first.
2: I think that for me, it's just really important because it means we don't have to hide. I'm going to get all emotional. I think that we have talked about this before, but probably a lot of people don't know. My parents were both gay. And back in the 60s when they were in the army, that wasn't acceptable. They were both in the army and they were both getting kind of long in the tooth. My dad was like 35. My mom was in her late twenties and they talked to each other and they said, you know, the McCarthy or witch hunts are still happening. People are getting drummed out of the army for being gay. Let's, let's get married and have kids. And that way we don't have to, and they loved each other and they had a good life, but at the same time they were miserable, you know? And I think that it's so important for us now to be able to go, You know, I'm not, I don't have to, you know, we progressed and we fought for that and I don't have to, I can be married to a woman legally, you know, and, and it's just, that's to me, it's a, you know, it's all about my family and about, you know, not having to hide who you are.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. My turn? Yeah. Well, I had, I, I would have had a different answer up until February, but It's it's odd, but in October, during GRL, I started to get really sick, and I kept getting sicker and sicker and sicker, and by January we knew that I was going to have to have surgery, and my surgery was scheduled on the twenty sixth of February, and by the week before, I was I was worried, I was scared, and I was, and so I called the doctor and said, I'm sick. I'm really sick. And so she ran some blood tests, and she said, you know, suck it up. You can do this. It's 10 days. Suck it up. Well, I kept getting worse, and I kept getting worse. And my, my, my surgery is Wednesday. Well, Monday, the Monday before, I couldn't get up off the couch, and Lorna and I were napping on the couch. Okay. And it was bad enough that I woke up. And there was a lady standing in front of me and she said, are you ready? I'm here to take you. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm busy. I have things to do. <laughs> I know. Uh, and I sat up a little and I said, "You I, I woke Lauren up and said, you have to call 911. You have to call 911 right now. And she did. And they said, had I not, I had about 45 minutes to an hour before I bled to death. Mm. And, but... That all leads up to the fact that no one once questioned, is it okay for Lorna to be here? No one, no one questioned, did Lorna have the right to make decisions when I was not conscious to make them? No one questioned about, do we have the rights that everybody else does? No, they would look at me and say, and how are you related? I'd say, I'm the wife. And they'd go, oh. Okay. You yeah, know. But, but, I mean, the doctor called her when it when things uh-huh. got really bad in surgery and said, I need to know what you want with, you know, with absolute faith that Lorna would know and that she had the right to make those decisions for me. And that's to me, that's what it means this year. That's what it means. It means that, you know, had I passed away, she would have been there. It had, you know, and the decisions that had to be made, she got to make them. So, to me, that's what it means this year.
1: Thank you both for sharing that. That's huh, yeah, and so glad that you made it through all that. You know, we followed We followed yeah. on Facebook, and it's like, oh, let's get some good news." And finally, you know, Lorna was able to post good good news. Oh good. And, yeah. and that was good. and hopefully hopefully you're just good now. I,
3: that's I'm I'm rooting for just good now no more speaking, no, <laughs> no more. more yeah no that was I felt I felt better the day after surgery I felt 10,000 times better yeah. so <laughs> that was it was great but no, yeah no I'm not <laughs> and Laura said that was just so you because that's oh uh, no I'm busy I'm I have busy. things to do <laughs>
1: <laughs> somehow I can envision that too <laughs>
3: I'm busy.
1: (laughs) There are stories to write and things to do. (laughs) Yes.
3: I have a wife and dogs and plants, and I'm very busy. My floors need mopping. (laughs) 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 Uh,
1: So tell everyone how they can keep up with both of you online so they can find books as they get ready to come out and everything.
3: Well, the nice thing for me is that there is only one B.A. Tortuga in all the world. So. You can find B.A. Tortuga all over the place, and that's 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 the easiest way. Just look me up. I'm there on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm all over the place, and I I have a fan group called B.A.'s Cowboys, and we have a ton of fun. Just well, mainly showing pictures of cowboy butts. Yeah, and talking cowboy butts, about cowboy butts,
1: which is fun. Yeah,
3: yeah. and periodically yeah. answering strange questions about rodeo. The last one I got was, "Do you wear a cup?" Well, you're right. No, no, no. no. Can you admit? Ima- no, that no. was bad. That's it's not bad. Good.
2: It's not good. That's <laughs> that's like the old story about Pecos Bill and the girl wearing a bustle when she's trying to ride the horse. If you wore a cup when you were it would be sort of the same thing. There would be a sort of bounce back bounce effect. back effect. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that would just be bad. (laughs) Okay, your turn. The easiest way to find me is on Facebook and Twitter. And I am Julia Talbot on Facebook. I'm actually got there before any of the other Julia Talbots. And then I think I'm Julia Talbot author on Twitter. I have a website. It's www.juliatalbot.com. It is woefully out of date because I've had to re-release so many of my books and I've not been able to get in there and get it. Because you've been so busy, but you mom. can actually access our newsletter. We have a shared newsletter as well called spurs and Sal- spurs and shifters. shifters, spurs and shifters, <laughs> uh, that you can access from my website and from the, our Facebook groups and, and from my stuff. website, Yeah, so. your website, which like she said, bhrtuga.com. There's only, there's only one, one of me. <laughs> Thank God for small favors. <laughs>
1: Thank you both so much for for being with us and sharing some of your work and sharing what pride means to you. It's been great having you as part of our pride celebration.
2: Well, thank Thank you you so so much for having us and for doing this. Yeah, we
3: always love talking to you, always.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this special Pride Month bonus episode. This year, finding ways to celebrate pride is undoubtedly a challenge, but it is one that we can undertake with passion, creativity, and an open heart. Whoever you celebrate this year, we hope that you'll consider us part of your year-round Pride family. Thank you so much for listening. For a complete rundown of this month's bonus content, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com slash Pride2020.
1: Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more shows you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. New episodes of this show are available every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. You can help support this show with a monthly pledge through Patreon. For more information about joining our community and the bonus content we deliver, check out patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. I'm Kurt Graves. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.